Welcome to Grand Canyon University's Teaching Tips, a survey of educational improvement. And now, here are the hosts of today's Teaching Tips, Joshua Sagata and Mark Trollinger. And we are back. Welcome to Teaching Tips. My name is Joshua Sugata. And I'm Mark Trollinger. Mark, it's great to see you as usual. I'm so excited. We have we have a very special guest on our program today. And she she hails from the region of six inches of drywall between my office and hers. But oftentimes it feels like she's in the same room. I just wanted to welcome Mrs. Holly Love. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. You, you The look on her face, I don't know <laughs> if, if she really is excited. But no, we know you are. We're, we're excited to have you. And you have a lot of educational experience. You have a lot of practical tips to share with the listeners. And so I went, before we jump in, I wanted you to kind of tell what your role is, how long you've been at Grand Canyon, how'd you get to do and what you're doing? Certainly. Well, before I came to Grand Canyon, I was a high school teacher for about 15 years in the classroom. So I came from the uh, K-12 world. Public ed? Public education. Yep. Taught virtually as well as face-to-face in that atmosphere as well. And then I came over to GCU about 12 years ago in an adjunct role. I've Mm -hmm. taught cohort classes on top of online, on top of face-to-face, and was a online full-time faculty manager for about two years and then moved over to faculty training and development as a faculty manager. And I've been in this role for about six years, almost seven years. So lots of experience in the classroom. Yeah, we Mark and I often spend time talking about traditional classrooms, sometimes faculty that are listening, they say, well, you know, I'm exclusively online, so I can't really, or vice versa. And so I was excited because I know you've got experience in both. As you mentioned, even in public ed, you said you did virtual work as well. Yep. And then you came here to Canyon and it, it wasn't necessarily just for teaching. You've had various roles as you shared and even in, in management. And so there's a lot of fun that we have together because you have a fun personality and there's one story. Well, thank you, Josh. You're so welcome. Thank you. You are so fun. <laughs> and so um, I was hoping we could start maybe with the, the activity that I like to give you a hard time about, but it's, it's really neat. But So one thing that I like to specialize in and something that a lot of my colleagues send a lot of faculty over to me is in student engagement, because I am a firm believer in building a really good rapport with students. And Josh teases me every single semester because I do an activity. It's called What's in a Shoe? What's in a Shoe? What's in a Shoe? What's in a Shoe? I'm trying to come up with a theme song. Like a theme song for it? What's in a shoe? Feet. Feet are in a shoe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but to give you a little bit more of my background, I am I teach in special education. So this activity directly correlates. But you can also do this with any classroom. And I've had a lot of different instructors use this one. And it's funny because sometimes I'll have students in my class say, we've seen this before. And we know that you do this every semester. And I say, well, thanks. Great. But what's in a shoe? This is how it works. I do it the very, very first day of class. And it's a get to know you activity. And it's really to help students learn who their their classroom family is and who they're going to be working with throughout the whole entire semester. It's really important that they bond together as a class. 
And so what I do is I choose about 10 students, and it really depends on how big your class is. This, these last couple semesters, I've had classes where I've almost had like 45 students in it. If you have smaller uh, classrooms, you'd use a smaller amount of students. But I usually pick about 10 students as they're walking in, and I have them give me their shoes, and we leave them up at the front of the classroom. Quite a smelly situation. It is a little bit of a smelly situation, and they all look at me like I'm weird, but they do it especially the outgoing ones, they, they volunteer. And, and working with teachers, they all love to do this kind of stuff. And so they leave their shoes up at the front. And as people are coming in, my first activity is we talk about that we're going to do an activity called What's in a Shoe? And I pull up my favorite pair that I see out of the 10. And I ask them questions about it. So I say to them, do you think this is a man's shoe or a lady's shoe? And they'll tell me, I think I think it's a girl or I think it's a boy. If it's a sneaker, I might say, do you think this person's into running? And they tell me a little bit about the shoe. So we were just looking at Mark's shoes as we were walking in. I wondered why you noticed my shoe. I know. I know you guys can't see Mark's shoe, but Mark is wearing a shoe that's covered in lobsters. Not real lobsters. Not real lobsters, but <laughs> lobster pictures of lobsters. Shoes. It's a very unique shoe. It's a very unique shoe, right? So if we were to look at Mark's shoe, Josh, how would you describe it? What, what kind of person do you think Mark is by looking at his shoe? Oh, well, there's so much. There's, there's you know, he's a crustacean because he's kind of hard on the okay. outside, soft on the inside. Um, I'm sure he'd be great Excellent. with garlic butter. <laughs> but I think I, they say, to me, though, on a serious note, if I saw him, I would think the person has a fun sense of humor and personality because he's got... We should get a picture of these. We'll put them up with the, with the episode so people can see what we're talking about. But red lobsters, blue bat, black ground, they're bright, lots of personality. And you're you, right on. You know. So as we continue to describe the shoe, what I usually will do, and we know it's Mark because obviously he's sitting here, but what I usually do, well, I'll ask the class, whose shoe do you think this belongs to? And they have to try to pick out of the 10 people which shoe, who belongs to who. And sometimes they guess it, sometimes they don't. Um, but the funny thing is, is a lot of the times the way we describe the shoe is not necessarily the person's personality. For example, we had somebody one semester that had this, this running shoe and it looked really worn. And we're like, this is an athlete. They have to climb mountains daily. <laughs> and the person's like, nope, just haven't changed my shoes in like 10 years. And they're just really worn because I wear them every single day. And comfortable. So, and comfortable. Mm -hmm. And because I teach special education, I always like to turn it around and say, you can't always judge a book by its cover. And, and I have students think about that on day one. So relating to the online world, you can do an activity maybe um, like, I want you to pick out your favorite shoe and you can upload a picture and then have everybody maybe on your class wall day one. Instead of telling me about yourself, upload the favorite picture of your favorite shoe. And then have people comment underneath, oh, that's a great show. What can you tell about this person? And that person can write back and say, nope, I'm not a runner. Or, yeah, I like dance class or, you know, whatever. Or in Mark's case with the lobster shoe, he could say, I am the most creative person that there is known to man. And that's why I wear these shoes. So, and, and that necessarily wouldn't be false. I mean, that, that that's a pretty accurate statement. Yeah, and Mark, I got it to, in my defense because people might be saying why you pick on poor, sad Holly. First off, yeah, I'm the victim here. But first off, the reason why I bring up the activity, you know, anytime we, we're doing like staff development or we're doing something uh, to tease Holly and let her know that I care about her, if there's a lull in the conversation, we're like, oh, well, the agenda just ended in the meeting. And I'll just say something like, I'll look at her and go, everybody take off your shoes and throw them in the big pile in the middle of the room. 
even though I don't get the full, yeah, I never understood. You actually never explained it that thoroughly before, so it was actually very intriguing. I mean, I know Josh teases me about the shoe activity, but what I can tell you is students remember it from semester to semester. I get comments all the time. Remember day one when we did the shoe activity? I would remember where I got athlete's foot for the first time <laughs> as well. So, and, and we do have to watch for the germaphobes because we do have students in our class that are not into something like that. So totally make yeah, sure. Yeah, you don't force it upon them. I don't force yeah. it upon them. I definitely don't. And I only take a couple. And if I only have five students, I only have five students that do the activity. It's not the end of the world. But it is something that's fun. And they do relate to it. And they do love it. And it gets it helps the class to get to know a little bit more about each other. You could maybe use Flipgrid, too. You could use Flipgrid on this. Absolutely. I know you're a big fan of Flipgrid. We've mentioned it before. Yeah. So I know you specialize in, in classes where uh, students are going to become teachers and teach special ed, correct? Mm-hmm. Like that's a big well, – what about – what if someone's listening and they say, ah, I've always been curious about this topic because I, there's students that I've had that I know or were like had special ed classes in the past or, or what have you are currently taking them. If that's the case, you know, we're talking about engaging students. What are some tactics we could do to engage someone who has learning difficulties or they struggles with in any of those areas? Sure. You know, as a special education teacher, I don't think that any of the techniques or strategies that I use in the classroom are necessarily just geared for students who have special needs. I think that they can be used with any student. One thing that I like to pride myself in is the use of technology in the classroom, something that a lot of teachers tend to be fearful of are trying new technology applications. What I like to do with my students who are future teachers are introduce them to some of these strategies and techniques to help students engage more in the classroom. If you look at the population of students that we're currently teaching, it is the age of technology. It really is. And they're on their phones constantly. They're on computers constantly. I have a 12-year-old daughter that wouldn't leave her phone for the world. And if she does, she has an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. So why not take those tools and actually utilize them in the classroom? Something that I like to do is introduce them to these everyday apps that our students are using and turn it into an educational tool. For example, take Pinterest. Who doesn't love Pinterest? Mark, do you have a Pinterest board? Yes, I do. You do? I I do. You do. Josh, do you have a Pinterest board? uh, I do not. My wife does. So in theory, I do as well. That's a safe answer, I believe. That is a great answer. Yeah, Yeah, no, I'm familiar with Pinterest. So what I do with Pinterest with students is I will actually take Pinterest and I utilize it as a tool in the classroom. We do a lesson that is on assistive technology in special education. And what that is, what assistive technology is, any kind of technology tool that students can use in the classroom that will assist them with their education. So I break them up into groups and I I have them actually uh, build a Pinterest board with the assistive technology. And you can pin all different things, ideas, you can look at different devices, how they're used in the classroom, and then we have them share it with one another. So not only are they learning how to use the Pinterest app in a different way, they're enjoying themselves because it's something that they're accustomed to and that they're used to, and it's something that they can actually save for their future classrooms. I like that because I've seen several articles recently about schools banning the use of computers or cell phone. And, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, the kids should leave that at the door or something. But, you know, there are a lot of tools that we can use to incorporate 
that for student engagement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Pinterest is, is just one of them. I mean, think of social media. Think of, we just had at our, we had a, a conference, an online conference that just happened last week here. And we had, and I can't remember the lady's name that did our presentation, but she was excellent. And she actually talked about utilizing different forms of social media to help your students know you a little bit better. So instead of, obviously, we all have our personal Facebook pages, but she creates a professional Facebook page that she gives to her students. So this page would be strictly just for students and strictly Mm. just about the background of whatever you're teaching. So like in my case, everything would be about special education. Maybe we'd have um, different organizations that I belong to or teaching tips for students with special needs. Her case, it was elementary education. So she had a lot of different websites for early childhood, that sort of thing. And you can utilize that for any discipline area, even if you're in nursing or if you're in business. What if somebody, you know, has a, has a MySpace and they don't have Facebook. That's old school. That's a little old school. We may so, need to bring it into the future a little bit, Josh. I don't have one, guys. But I, yeah, I, so if we, <laughs> I, what I really do seriously like about what you just suggested, these third-party apps such as you know, like Pinterest, which we we haven't talked about on the show before, or Facebook, is they, they're third-party apps. And so once the student graduates, that is something that they can bookmark and save. And even if they don't have access to their school's website, because a lot of stuff that takes place in the classroom occurs in the learning management system for over a year teaching. So you'll lose access to that. You, you you might want something from it, but unless you download it or saved it, it's gone. So Pinterest, very relevant. Uh, it's, a, it's a board and you could take it beyond the classroom. And then the Facebook uh, page that you talked about, if you create one, if you're a faculty member just for your students, then, then you can be, you might not have to be as selective as to who you accept as a friend or who you friend request because you know your, your personal life is not being fully exposed. Absolutely. But you know, what you want professionally, kind of like, you know, with LinkedIn. That's a great suggestion. And the beauty of all those is they're free. As a teacher, we love free things. Mm -hmm. And those are all free apps that you can utilize to your benefit and really promote different educational resources for students. And you've presented at many conferences about technology as well. I have. I've actually been involved in numerous projects regarding different um, technology applications that can be used in the classroom. I'm pretty passionate about that subject. I really feel like we should be using technology as a tool and not something like you were saying, being seen as something that's negative. It's not going away. And students, uh, you know, in today's society, utilize it nonstop. So why not get on board and actually use it to our benefit? I like that. And there's, Mark mentioned the conferences, and I'm glad because I know in particular there's a website that you've presented called Pedagogy First, correct? Absolutely, yes. Pedagogy First is a website that was created with a couple of us here at GCU. We found that a lot of instructors here at Grand Canyon were utilizing technology, but only a few different applications. For example, we noticed a lot of um, instructors using, using PowerPoint presentations. Sometimes they'd use Prezi, pass that, that was about it. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to create some kind of a search engine for higher education that would include some of the applications that you can use in our era, in our realm, instead of just in the K-12 realm. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what Pedagogy First is. It is an application-based search engine, 
And you can actually type in exactly what you want or what you are doing in your classroom, and it will give you different suggestions. And those suggestions Mm -hmm. lead you to a page that is almost like a Yelp page. And you can Mm -hmm. leave reviews. You can also leave um, different suggestions for instructors on how you can utilize the app in your classroom. Mm -hmm. This was, you know, done to help instructors, but also promote some more of using these technology tools. Which I'm surprised we haven't actually talked about the website more. Because we talk about certain technology elements. And one thing that comes up is, you know, a lot of faculty say, wow, that sounds great. But that's just not me. And I'm, I'm afraid to try something new. So what I really like about Pedagogy First is, as Holly was mentioning, if, if I am timid if, or even if I consider myself an expert, I can go to this website and I could type in the type of activity I'm doing and see if there is a program that's suggested by the site to check out. And then there's a description of that program. So if Instagram was one of those programs that were to pop up, it would have a description of Instagram. And then you could figure out if that's going to work well for you or not, or go to the next one. And then like you said, try it out and then come back and leave reviews. And then we can help out our peers and and then share that in our circles. Something that we also incorporated into Pedagogy First is a level of comfort. So if you're not a technology savvy person, there are apps that are weeded out specifically for you. These are beginners. These are Mm -hmm. people that maybe I'm not really comfortable, but I'm going to branch out and I'm just going to try it. So it will tell you those types of apps too versus ones that may take a little bit more time to be able to utilize. So the website's really, really helpful for anybody at any level. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it was a survey of technology at GCU, you know, what faculty have used. So when you present this at conferences, how do faculty from other schools receive this? Are they open to it or? Oh, faculty absolutely go bananas when they see this. They want this tool. And they actually, a lot of them have requested us to provide it specifically for their university, you know, it's still kind of in the beginning stages, even though it's been around for a year or two. It takes a lot of time. It's it's a lot of mm-hmm. effort to keep up with the database. But yeah. a lot of um, different universities are looking to promote their LMS and different technology tools that are in their LMS eventually. So, I mean, it we're hoping that it branches out and that it, it will go to different schools right now. A lot of it is based off of GCU because we did our initial um, study groups with GCU. But maybe in the future, fingers crossed. And that's pedagogyfirst.com, correct? Right. And it is a forward-facing website, so anybody can access it. You don't necessarily have to be a GCU instructor. How's new technology added to that website? Well, we do have a suggestion box that you can type in through the website. So if you find a tool that you like, it goes directly to us. And we've also found... That's one of our big challenges is keeping it current, that if there is a link that's broken, you can also submit that through the website. We want this to be as user-friendly for everyone Mm -hmm. as possible and to be beneficial, not just to be a website that's out there. I really cannot thank you enough. I know you're a busy person. you got places to go. So we, we want to thank you for your time, for being here, all that you do and your energy. Make sure when you, before you go today, please put your shoes back on. Will do. Before you leave. But Will do. Pedagogy First is the uh, website if you want to check that out. For teaching tips today, I want to thank our special guest, Holly Love. My name is Joshua Sugata. This has been an episode of Teaching Tips. Thanks for listening in today. Join us next week as we continue our survey of effective educational practices.